0: My lords and members of the House of Commons, my government's legislative programme will be based upon the principles of freedom, fairness and responsibility. The first priority is to reduce the deficit and restore economic growth. That's what you're getting,
1: but is it what you voted for? This is Politics Weekly with me, Tom Clark. I'm joined this week by columnist Julian Glover, Politics Weekly regular, who is The Guardian's brand spanking new head of culture, Georgina Henry, and alongside both of them, the inimitable Michael White. A warm welcome to you all. Before we get into the week that was, cuts and the Queen's speech, as we sit here on Thursday morning, the papers make pretty grim reading for the new Prime Minister for about the first time since polling day we have David Davis on the front of the mail, crying Judas over capital gains. The Times leads on the same story, and the Telegraph quotes a letter from Mr Cameron's most awkward Vulcan, John Redwood, saying that such a tax rise would be strange. Now, Georgina, Cameron picked one fight with his right wingers over the backbench committee. Now he's got another one.
0: Yes, I mean, it was interesting hearing Cameron this morning on the radio for those of you that did. Um, I mean, he, 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 he's right to fear it, really. I mean, there are some big beasts out here, and there there's, uh, uh, I mean, it's just a sort of profoundly untory idea, isn't it? Raising capital gains tax to quite this extent. It's a very big hike that's been talked about, although of course they haven't said yet what the level will be and how much they'll do it and whether they'll do it and there's all sorts of noises off saying it might not be as bad as you fear and so on. It's a problem for him and listening to him on the radio this morning, he is very keen at the moment to say we're listening, isn't he? Because he doesn't want to run headlong into a fight by staking out positions too early. I mean there's a few months to go before they actually have to announce this budget and we'll see what he does but it's a problem for him. I mean he can
1: say I think that, that Nigel Lawson always said that capital gains tax shouldn't be any lower than income tax and Julian isn't there an opportunity here in being defined by your enemies be they in Westminster or in Fleet Street? Up to a point but you've got to show it's the right
2: move and you've got to show why you're doing the move and this is a consequence, this is a second consequence of Nick Clegg's Desire to raise the income tax threshold, something I think is a good plan. Um, lots of other people don't think it's a good plan. The first consequence was the mansion tax, <coughs> which caused Nick Quagg an awful lot of problems at the Lib Dem conference last year because Vince Cable came up with that as a way of paying for the move or paying for the start of the move. This is the second time round; It's going to be capital gains to pay for it. And so Cameron's problem is he's not saying to the right we have to raise taxes to pay off this dreadful deficit left by Labour's spree. But it's, we've got to raise capital gains taxes on the rich in order to pay for a tax cut for the poor, which the Lib Dems like and the Tory party previously opposed. And he hasn't managed to explain that. But the Tories th- do like this, don't they? They like any income tax cut, don't they? Well, I think that, that goes to a wider issue in this coalition, which will be, does it want to reduce taxes overall? Or does it think that taxes about rights just not being spent in the right places? <clears throat> And Conservatives quite rightly want to reduce taxation. And taxation in Britain, I would argue, is too high. The reason it's high is because we have this deficit and we have high spending. We need to reduce the deficit and reduce spending over time. But to do that whilst raising taxes is is not, to Conservatives, the right thing to do. And they will resent this. They'll also resent it because it's going to hit them in the wallet very hard. And that's the great attraction of this tax. They individually. Yeah. And that's the great attraction of this tax is it raises money. Lots of tax rises, lots of fiddling around doesn't. Things like VAT or capital gains shoving that up a lot. Really do bring in cash. Although there is some talk today that people will avoid it and, and the take may fall. That's often said before tax rises. In the end, they usually do bring in money. But it's being done for a Lib Dem policy, and that's Cameron's problem.
1: Mike, you've been talking to the backbenchers for your own podcast this week, haven't you? I mean, is the, is the mood um, as poisonous, potentially, as, as Julian suggesting it could be becoming?
3: Well, you see the shape of the internal opposition on the green leather benches at Westminster. It's funny to watch it sort of morphing. You get the Lib Dem troublemakers. Simon Hughes was straight out of the trap on Tuesday on the front bench. Ming Campbell is sitting in what I call the Dennis Skinner Ted Heath sulking spot uh, in the corner seat below the gangway. And then you get these Tories, which we're talking about on the right. We've seen them uh, uh, up. David Davis, uh, John uh, Redwood, Edward Lee, who congratulated David Laws, a bravura performance The Little Rascal, uh, as George Osborne's number two, saying, I welcome the return of Gladstonian rectitude to our financial affairs. Mr. Gladstone was a badger. badger. But he, I did, didn't bother badgers at all, Mr. <laughs> Gladstone. He was a budget balancer, was what I was trying to say. But this one has, you've got the politics of it and the morality of tax. You've got a core problem, as Julian implied, that the Tory manifesto said the ratio should be four to one, spending cuts to tax rises. The Lib Dem manifesto, 2.5 to one, cuts to rises. So there's a tension there. And then you get on to the tricky bit about capital gains tax CGT versus VAT or even income tax or national insurance. They box themselves in on national insurance. They'll certainly put up VAT, brings in buckets, as Julian says. And actually, Redwood's got a point here. And Gordon Brown cut capital gains tax to 18%. And what people have done is manoeuvre, manipulate their income. They always do because they've got very good accountants. So it comes in as capital gains, not income tax. They pay 18 instead of 40%. We can all follow that and that's wrong. And particularly on things like buy-to-let flats, which have been such an odd distortion of the housing market in recent years. Although of course it includes people saving for their, their, their pension. At my age, I'm all in favour of that.
1: So but, why Redwood got well, a point? Is that because because a good the argument is, for doing what Cameron? Well, yeah,
3: uh, yeah, I was saving the tricky bit till, uh, uh, till, till mm. the end. What Redwood, I think, is saying, and Davis, is that you do don't, in doing so, want to hammer the entrepreneurs because they're the people we need to get this country out of the pickle it's in. Growth in the economy, non-financial sector growth, people who start businesses and make them and sell them on, uh, as people do, and they've worked hard for 10 or 15 years, and then they thought they were getting one tax rate and you're wagging it up. So one answer would be to have a t- what's called a taper. The longer you've held the thing you're selling, then the less tax you pay. That would be a bit of fairness to people who flog their guts out building up small businesses, employing 50 or 60 people. Whack the speculators for mm. whatever you can get away with. They've got good accountants anyway. So just don't have a sort of scatter gun. And there is something to that, because you want people to employ other people. That's, well, that's what how need. the Gordon Browns started. it uh, out. To pull back to yeah, yeah, to pull that from that from
2: taxation yeah. to the kind of crude politics, yeah. I, I think there's going to be lots of mumbling, lots of grumbling from the Tory benches and a bit from the Lib Dems too. I don't think there is yet, and I don't think there will be for some time, a really fundamental desire to break this coalition on the part of the right of the Tory party or the left of the Lib Dems. So they're they're complaining within a framework of supporting the deal. They think this deal has a future. Don't forget us.
3: They're saying we yeah. can
2: cause you trouble. And for every, uh, you know, and, and, and there are I mean, John Redwood has been complaining about tax policy for, for years under different leadership. So this is not this is not something new. He didn't he didn't previously love everything that George Osborne was saying. He would, would like George Osborne to go into the election promising tax cuts, and that's the pressure really, was, the pressure he's been applying from the start. So so there will be many things um, that people disagree about. And one of the things that this coalition has forced is an open debate or relatively open debate about policy in a way you wouldn't have had before. So we did have Cameron this morning on Radio 4 having to talk about what might be in the budget. That, that's unusual for a prime minister. Now, it's a potential weakness because you know, it makes it hard for him to, to command his party in the way that he might have liked to have done. There's also a strength in that, that some of these arguments can be had in the open and people can lose them. And I think he's got the numbers on his side at the moment.
0: I mean, it's a—it's very early days, isn't it? And you're quite right. Nobody at the moment, there's not a sort of strong group. And, I mean, God say it, we're only a couple of weeks into this. And, you know, the country's still having its, you know, they've got a bit of a crush on the coalition, haven't they? People yep. quite like it. Yep. And um, I'm sure Tories like, in spite of themselves, you know, they like being in power, don't they? But Cameron does have a lot of people in his party who don't like him. Never did. And never did. Um, long before he, you know, they're quite pleased about the victory and so on. But it, they a lot of people feel he's making too many compromises and it seems to me that capital gains tax by the autumn and by the budget could be looking really quite serious for him. As of course you know the story Patrick did yesterday, I mean there's a whole you know, we haven't even got on to where they are on AV and how that's going to split the party and so on. But uh, split the coalition I mean. But um, I mean I think it's the sort of the Peter Lilly point just before the uh, Queen's uh, speech. The King's speech? speech. What have you heard? (laughs) What have I heard? (laughs) Queen's speech. Um, uh, You know Prime Ministers should switch off their microphones but not their listening devices. I mean they're just little shots across the bow aren't they at the moment
1: let's leave Tories and tax just for a minute and turn to the other side of the equation uh, which is of course cuts um and we had the big announcement at the treasury this week George um and it was an extraordinary bit of spin wasn't it that the the one announcement that got all the
0: column inches was that ministerial cards are going to be squeezed I know but I mean <laughs> that's such a easy um and I mean you, you know on on the one hand, though, when you read some of the... I mean, I think um, Chris Mullen was claiming credit for the, that this week, wasn't he? His his uh, amazing bits in his um, recent book where he described when he tried to give up his ministerial car because he could still take the bus to work, uh, the absolute bureaucracy involved <laughs> in that and the fact that there was no way you could give it up. It had to be done. It had to be paid for. They charged, they they charged of, him
3: for it, even though he didn't it, They it.
0: charged him for it, exactly. Um, and, you know, then there's this whole cascade of, you know, a lot of people are dependent on it, the overtime, this, that and the other. So it, it is clearly one of those things that if you come out and say, you're not just saying, OK, we'll save a bit of money. You're trying to send some sort of signal, aren't you? Which I think is really important for Cameron to do. But clearly, it's it's a drop in the ocean, isn't it? As indeed, yeah. I mean, I thought it the indep- be, independent front page was brilliant this week, where it actually um, had a huge, uh, I think it had 176 blocks, didn't it? To represent the, the, the extent of, it, of the yeah. debt. And then had sort of taken out six of them right down in the bottom right-hand corner. It's important to decision. show. But, I mean, it sends a signal, signal yeah. about about waste, I suppose. Um, I mean, I, I imagine they're not very pleased with
3: that. Yes, symbolic um, yeah. yeah, actors uh, are, are important, although the practical side is important too, and they will regret doing this on cars for one thing. Well, if you think the Royal College of Nurses or the Brigade of Guards is yeah. powerful, you should try the government carpool. But uh, I tell
0: you, the thing that got me was, is this right that ministerial boxes actually still have to be delivered by car, well, but a minister who asked change, this week to ride with his box in order to read its content? Well, it, this is the point. Just problem be, with it. But uh, that is absurd and and then happens, people will just law. laugh at it. People
3: don't know. George Young, the bicycling baronet <laughs> as I once christened him a long time ago became a minister, used to cycle around with his red box in a thing yeah, at the front the fo- and they 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 took it and they made him stop yes, they the, made him take if, the car and if, they will do again
0: but if you're saying you can't use the cars but your boxes can I mean that, right, that is just absurd. a level of absurdity. it is being said so that that cannot, will change I mean yeah, it depends what's yeah. in the box. but so. it is all daft and we will
1: all kind of write things about isn't it? Isn't it daft in a, in a kind of jolly way but in a way Julian doesn't this play to the government's game in that they're simultaneously yeah. getting rid of one to one tuition cutting back on child trust funds etc etc and if we're all saying haha isn't it isn't it jolly japes what they're doing or failing to do with, with government cars isn't this, isn't this well, well I think I think forward. that
2: the cuts today, w- w- this week, that were announced show that really the, w- the whole election debate over six billion was a fuss about nothing. Um, they aren't going to have a significant impact on Britain or on the deficit. The cuts to come will be much bigger. Um, the suggestion that was made before the election that these cuts will somehow single handedly drive Britain back into recession is clearly absurd. Um,
1: but even if they don't, they do chop real things like the Child Trust yes, Fund. Yes, and that's good,
2: and they have to. And if they don't chop real things, we would have said they're not real cuts.
1: Yeah, 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 no, I'm, I'm not arguing with but, that, but, but I'm just saying. The Child, saying that trust, it's, the child
2: trust Fund is not start an to hurt, child,
1: even if it doesn't well, drive it, the economy. The Child back Trust Fund won't hurt
2: people straight away, it will hurt people in the future, as would debt, and it's one of the better things to cut, and the Lib Dems proposed to cut it but too. But
1: university places, there one are, to one tuition...
2: University cuts were almost all begun under the Labour Party, and actually, universities were. More protected under these cuts. But um, well, there's ten thousand fewer places. I'm, I'm not talking yes, about the back. I'm saying Peter these are real Peter things Manderson that are Volunteered universities because he s- swan them into his empire and then volunteered them for savagery. So he the did. university cuts were begun by labour.
0: I think there are real casualties here. That's the point that um, not to miss. And you're right. You know, the debate about ministerial cars in a sense covers that up. There will be people who really won't be able to go to university, who will lose their jobs, who will um, suffer. On the first six billion I mean the pain is going to be a a great deal worse and I I do think there's still a debate when you look at what's been happening in Europe this week about whether or not uh, it was the right moment immediately to do it whether you had to send that kind of a symbol I mean Julian obviously thinks you do and what that what the consequences are for the much bigger statement they'll make in the autumn (coughs) because um, you know there's a lot of pain going on over (coughs) Europe and a lot of debate about whether now is the right time to cut anything at all.
3: We're taking a lot of demand out of the economy Uh, the private sector is still Mm -hmm. retrenching the public sector Mm has taken the strain That's what the public sector is for in a time of crisis—that's what history has taught us. History has also taught us the desire to return to financial rectitude and uh, uh, balance budgets and all the rest of it—and get the debt down—is usually a mistake. Six billion isn't a lot. Uh, they saved six billion on the um, on the, the 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 years projected mm. borrowing the previous week. Nonetheless, it's six billion pounds uh, of expenditure and jobs and many other things taken out of the economy. And it's, expenditure not all, is not expenditure it's not expenditure, jobs. No, no. Well, that's an easy target, and uh, nonetheless, yes, and that's it was, why it was chosen and it was a correct uh, yes, target. Yes, but it was. You know, George Osborne's child trust fund is still intact, and people notice that, and it'll be marked against him over the long haul when he has to do serious things which are not popular, and in some cases not right. All governments make mistakes. The child trust fund will not be forgotten.
2: The reason. That the deficit needs to be cut is not just some spiritual feeling of balanced budgets, which is often an emotion of the right and has been all the way since and the 18th still century. Is. I mean, they're and using is. this as a the cover real, to do things. The reason it's not a cover, the reason it's being done is because we have an incredibly large budget deficit, which is larger <clears> as a percentage <throat> of GDP than most other That's countries in Europe. That's not true. That's Europe.
3: not true. The, you read Sam Britton in the FT, who you knows a thing or two, who says that the Mike, cost of funding our debt, the size of our debt as a proportion of GDP, the size of the we're deficit... We're talking about two separate things, Mike. The size of the deficit and things. the cost of the and
2: total just, debt. you know, at, just an
3: easy line though. I'm not
2: just peddling an easy line like, there are two different things there's the total pile of debt which is growing fast and it has been smaller partly because the Tory party cut spending under the last you know, in the 1990s and balanced the books the Labour party then sustained it for the start of it Britain's total pile of debt is not that bad nor for instance is Spain's but Spain is being singled out by the markets because it has a very large and very unclear policy to fund its current deficit and that is the same for Britain Structure
3: the Structure of the Spanish economy is very different. The structure—we all have weaknesses. We all have yes, strengths. All Spain, ours, Spain, is, Spain. ours is long-term debt. As it so happens, yes. we're very lucky. We are not having to re- and to that's why we have to be careful not term. to
2: end up in a situation where no, we've we pile this stuff up. But it is increasing rapidly. We have to
0: be extremely careful not to do things very, very fast. Which, as you, as Mike was saying, cut off demand. The economy is fantastically fragile. There was a report this week about what might happen to interest rates. Anyway, I mean, it is a very, very, very b- b- finely balanced. Yeah, uh, and there are many ways to reduce demand. One of the ways to reduce
2: demand is to increase taxation on things like national insurance, on employing people. There, it is not only government expenditure which, which puts demand into the economy. Taxation can take demand out as well. And the consequence of having a large deficit will be higher taxation, as we started talking about at the beginning. So these
1: things don't just go in one direction. A few months ago, David Cameron might have been thinking such painful choices were a little way off as he lay there perhaps late at night talking to George Osborne about what a fantasy queen speech would at, at, at night. Late at night. Tom, steady (laughs) on, this programme is listened to by children. A family (laughs) programme. What kind of a family? Anyway, they were concocting, let's imagine, a Queen's speech late at night. And, Mike, how much of it do you think survived in terms of what we actually got? Survived Um. of the manifesto. Well, yeah, survived of what David and George would really, really have wanted in their first Queen speech. Was it nearly oh, all there in the end? I would
3: have thought quite a lot of it. I mean, th- there's a danger that we in the media play, as it were, the old adversarial politics without adjusting to a new situation. I certainly think it's true that the Lib Dems have been given quite a lot up front. You might say, uh, to annoy Julian, that they've been allowed to borrow quite a lot on tick and the Tories will want repayment. <laughs> I know, when no, it's going to cost them w- in the end. When it, it'll cost them in the end, you're dead right. <laughs> be a big bust um, coming. So there are lots of things which you can see in the Lib Dems can point to on the political and constitutional agenda uh, uh, which they can say look we did it and uh, the the party, its famous triple lock voted almost unanimously, hardly anybody voted against this deal either among MPs, the Lib Dem executive or the wider party, that's all fascinating. What, What
1: specifics do you think they can point to and say we got it?
3: Oh, well, most of the constitutional stuff. AV is the mm-hmm. obvious one. Uh, we were talking a moment ago about uh, CGT. I mean, I'd, at my age, I'd have to have the list in front of me. But you, it's a respectable uh, compromise at this stage. They've got five cabinet ministers. There's a minister in most departments. They're really talking to each other. The personal chemistry between uh, Clegg and, uh, and uh, whatever he's called, Cameron, seems to be good. Osborne and David Laws, oh, heavens above, uh, it, it's love. Uh, so, so David far, Laws very s- much enjoying himself. So far, so well, he was, uh, yeah. He looks enjoying himself too much, perhaps. <laughs> but he's a clever fellow, and he can look after himself. Uh, so far, pretty good, really. And they've both got a lot they, they can point to. And some of the things you throw over the side, the inheritance tax, which was George Osborne's tactical move to stop Gordon Brown uh, calling that election in 2007, become a liability. Yeah. It looks after rich people. And uh, they can quietly say, sorry, boys, we can't do that at this stage. That Clegg man won't
1: let us. Georgina, I mean, cuts aside when you saw the Queen's speech, did you think there's a lot here
0: the left should support? ID cards and all the rest of it? Well there's obviously that very strong uh, bit about uh, ID cards the the Great Repeal Bill all the rest of it, I mean which are kind of
1: mm, I'm still a bit fuzzy on what's in the Great well, Repeal Bill. Well I know, so, 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 so am I. I.
0: <laughs> we'll have to see the detail but the if, if it's anything like they've said consistently, the Lib Dems in uh, uh, in the run up to the election and the Tories, you know people like David Davis and so on have, have supported it, then it's, it's very it could be very good. We'll just have to look at the details when we see it but you know these are issues that are close to people on the kind of liberal left's Uh, Side and close to the Guardian's heart, and so on. So all of that's very pleasing. Uh, I actually think it looks. um, There's an awful lot, though. That's that's very, very clearly what the Tories were hoping to do. I mean, if you look at the whole schools programme, I mean, Michael Gove is in in you know he's in Clover, isn't he? They were
3: radical on schools and and very cautious on the NHS. I think that was the Mm.
2: deal. I mean, I think to to answer Tom's original question, is this the Queen's speech that they would have would have dreamt they might give? No, it isn't. And and one of the reasons is a lot more has been piled into it. Things that they don't necessarily oppose but they didn't plan to do it at the start. Like this and repeal act. Like lots like of the things. Actually, I think ID cards would have been there and there would have been I think some form so, yeah. of repeal act. Partly because it saves a bit of money. And the, the repeal act would have been, but it might have been smaller. But what what they've done is added in a lot of stuff mm. quite quickly. And so the danger of that is it dilutes... The program—it becomes unclear what it is they actually want to do. Coalition is trying to do too much. Yeah, and it also just piles in work into the House of Commons that can't manage it. I mean, all of mm. these require huge amounts of effort, mm. Mm. boring things like yeah, yeah. drafting, but also just agreement on what it is. What is the repeal like? So, so the Cameron sort of hope had been that there will be a very sharp focus on some very rapid reforms, whilst leaving other things aside. So, education was going to be the big thing, and things like the NHS wouldn't have been. Welfare might not have been at the start either. Doing everything at once might mean you end up doing nothing. And one of the things that's very unclear from this government so far is the sense of priorities (coughs) as to which, apart from education, which we got on, on day one, and welfare, which we're getting now, which are the things that really will be pushed through. That's the risk, I think, rather than a sense of contradiction.
0: It'll be those two. I mean, you know, going back to what the left didn't get, we haven't got (coughs) um, a sort of strong sense that um, Vince has won the battle on the banks or on the restructuring the economy, all that sort of stuff. It seems to me that that's all extremely vague. We, again, look for detail on that. I mean, Julian's right. You know, the things that you get a sense of is what welfare might be like if IDS gets his way and what schools will be like because Gove definitely has got his way I mean uh, I think Gove, IDS Gove will find it a bit harder than it, uh, sorry Ian Duncan Smith will find it a bit harder than uh, you know his yeah, uh, interview today suggested.
2: Too. Yes, Gove got his way partly because mm. the contradictions between Tory and Lib Dem policy well, were pretty clearer. small yes, they, right. Lib Dems would always say mm. well they funded the pupil premium and the Tories mm. didn't or well, Gove says he's now going to get I wonder about to Gove on the, I mean the only about policy.
0: Gove's uh, plans, I mean you know they haven't yet been costed, you know what the effect of taking all these schools away from mm. central, I mean local authorities were invented for, you know we've had this debate before, a sort of you know a good reason whatever you think of the way they turned out which is to say if you centralize HR and legal services and all those things it is more cost effective for schools this could be a very very expensive policy and I don't get a sense of that having yet played into the debate about it. It's their
3: Trotskyite moment I think (laughs) they think that the worker power uh, teacher power doctor power nurse power uh, uh, yeah right uh, the reason governments take power including people like Ken Clark away from teachers, doctors, nurses, not okay, because they uh, their performance is pretty varied. I think people and misunderstand are that policy and the and are the, and that they think all schools will be
2: independent. I and mean, that's partly how the government presents it. They like to give that impression. Tony Blair once used mm. exactly that phrase in the House of Commons. What I think will happen is... Dave wants is, them all to be like Eden. He said so. Well, that wouldn't be a bad thing, actually. The public would quite like that. Yes, um, 25,000 a year. Yeah, uh, not so much more than quite a lot <laughs> of the cost of running state schools. The challenge for these policy is not will every single school be independent but will there be networks of schools which can share their costs at a lower cost than using local government and it's very unclear whether that is going to be the case I don't think Anybody ever imagines every single academy school in Britain will run itself? Every primary school will just manage all its functions. That clearly isn't the affordable. And get
3: head masters
2: and it's head a question teachers of who opts
0: who opts out and in what numbers. And um, you know, it's it's interesting. Just of course, you you could argue vested interests and so on. But you know, the local education authorities, a hmm. lot of whom are Tory uh, yeah. dominated, are very unhappy about it and because they know that once you start having to resource properly, these you know the people that do want to be independent, the schools that do want to opt out, the private companies that don't want to have anything to do with a sort of uh, structural um, that, that exists already, you you dilute the cash that they've got there. And but that the, will yeah, mean that, the, that existing that schools but that stay within the system will have a harder time. One of the well, points that everybody who's been in education
2: reform makes, and Andrew Tonis makes this, if you ask the people in the department, you know, they, who make all these wise points mm. about local authorities and, you know, the, mm. the great difficulty of independence and the cost. You say, where do you actually send your own children? You suddenly discover they all choose schools which do have independence, which do are either private or are going to city academies or That's using grammar well schools. well off, dear. And no, it's not just because they're well off, it's because that is actually what parents want. Well, and, that, and that is a very good starting point for reform. It doesn't necessarily mean it's affordable or entirely deliverable, but it's not a bad position to begin. It's, it's
0: not entirely true, actually. I mean, leaving aside the 7% of people that send their children privately, leave, leave that out of the argument. I mean, a lot of the academies, particularly in the last couple of years under Brown and Balls, and you can argue the rights or wrongs of this, have actually understood that to have a reasonably close mm. relationship with the local authorities is important. It's important for admissions policies, it's important for all those backroom services. So even though they are arm's length in terms of curriculum and teachers pay and all that sort of stuff, mm. they, it, it, they it has suited them. And I think if you go and ask many of the successful academies that have grown up in the last five to ten years, they would say that a relationship with the local authority is good. But and can they continue. often share that. Well, we'll see um, one relationship that
1: Labour's going to have to navigate is how it relates as the opposition to the government for the first time in 13 years. And um, Alistair Darling, we can hear this week, castigating George Osborne and uh, David Laws for making their announcement on cuts outside of Parliament in the Treasury.
3: I do think it is important, especially as the government has difficult decisions to make over the next few months, and difficult announcement to make, that the Chancellor should be ready to come to this House to justify what he is doing. Will he accept that there is absolutely no good reason at all why the announcement made at a press conference on Monday could not have been made in a statement to this House here where it could be scrutinised by members of this House? And will he undertake that in future, when there are announcements of this magnitude, they are made here in this House and not through a press notice?
1: On top of that, Mike, we had the Queen's speech being leaked in full to the Sunday Telegraph and uh, before the election, if I remember rightly, we had both the Liberal Democrats and the Conservatives riding a high horse (coughs) about uh, the status of Parliament. Is this something that parties forget all about as soon as they move into government?
3: Not particularly, no. I mean, welcome to government. That's what happens. uh, Cock-ups, little plots, people doing something they think is smart. I don't know from whom or why the Sunday Telegraph got the leak. It was embarrassing to the government. It happens to governments. It's events, as Mr Macmillan said on a famous occasion, which which upend you. And incidentally, um, academic research suggested it's events which cause a lot of trouble to coalitions, which are the norm in many countries. Let's not forget this. What we're doing is what... Most people do most of the time in countries like ours. Uh, So it happened. Um, The more difficult question is how does labor? address the new government. It's got, as everybody around the table here has said, a fund of goodwill. People are interested, intrigued. It's so different from what we've had all our lifetimes, most of us, since the Second World War. And to be, oh, this is interesting. Unexpected people popping up, doing things, uh, not doing things, and agreeing, leaders agreeing in public, uh, debating, as Julian said, a much more transparent policy debate on taxation and other things. We'll see how it goes. So Labour's got to give them a headwind at the same time as picking issues where they can actively support them let's say constitutional reform or, or um, but polit- some of the political reforms uh, uh, civil liberty stuff a lot of gain to be ground to be regained by labor there and picking proper fights uh, they picked the fifty five percent threshold for the dissolution of Parliament Mm -hmm. because it seems to be unpopular and a bit sort of weird. Not sure they're right about it, but that's the only Mm -hmm. one that I've spotted, apart from the economy, the kind of points which Georgina and I have been making. Uh, Are you cutting too much too fast and uh, will it look like a bad idea in 20 years' time?
1: Julian, do you think that we'll get any of the stuff on parliamentary reform in spite of the leaks and all the rest of it this week? Do you think that the right committee stuff, you know, in terms of backbenchers taking charge of the House, is any of that going to happen?
2: Some of it will. I mean, just just to sort of rewind, Alice is dead right. I mean, it would have been good if that been made to the Commons. And one of the reasons it wasn't was not just it looks lovely to do it in the sunshine in the Treasury courtyard, but the House of Commons has a process. By which, after the Queen's speech and also after the budget, it spends an awful lot of time debating rather than having statements. And so they would have had to wait to do this. They couldn't just pile in. No,
3: they. But they've done whatever they want. But, 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 but it's good. To,
2: it's good, and it's much to the credit of the Speaker, who's done quite well. Um, yes. that he had an urgent <coughs> notice question on this, and that David Laws got to shine in the Commons because he was summoned there by the Speaker. And but George Osborne was summoned there, but he sent David. Law. <laughs> yes, oh, sent, oh, my flak jacket. That, that is true. That is true. But the Speaker. You know, we should at some point tick. You know, the Speaker is doing all right.
3: Brown would have done the same. I should to admit
2: that. Yes, but always doing it. He always did it too. But it's anyway. But yes, it should have happened in Parliament. Will we get some of the right stuff? I, I, I guess we will. I mean, Cameron is always said to be quite a parliamentary romantic. He likes to say that. I don't know if he really is, mm-hmm. and he may not last. As one, George Young certainly supported this. He pushed for it. Yep. Whips opposed it, and the Labour Party whips opposed it quite strongly, with the connivance of the Tory whips. Um, Harriet Harman, when she was leader of the House, didn't push it properly. She seemed very confused as to whether she supported it or not. Um, George Young does support it. Will that lead to full backbench control of the House? No. The go- no government is going to hand over the timetabling of Commons business in its entirety, but there will be an increase in backbench. Uh, management of certain things. But as we see, if the Tory right begins to rebel, they won't want to just give the Tory right control of the House of Commons. That's and, if you right. want, and if we want all this legislation, or anybody wants all this legislation in the Queen's speech to pass, somebody's going to have to set a timetable for it, because you can't debate it endlessly.
1: So, Georgina, you've got the old points there about brute power, the government needs to get stuff through. But there's also a question, isn't there, about the media? Would the Sunday Telegraph have given the Queen's speech as- much acres of coverage as it did. If it didn't get the stuff
0: early, and don't we all need to change our game? Oh, gosh, well that's <laughs> how long have you got? Much easier to run a coalition than get the media to change their game. I mean, the difficulty. You started off by asking um, Labour opposing. I mean, Labour's track record and all this has been pretty lamentable, really. And uh, you know, I mean, support for changing the House of Commons and so on, their attitude to the oh, right committee. I think it has, and I also think that Robin the, Cook the, tried quite hard. I mean, yeah, been yeah to... and Robin Cook's. I mean, I'm you know a yes, great I'm man I'm, and everything, but he's been dead quite a long time. I don't think that Harriet's got a good track record. Run out of steam. The problem is, well, not just run out of steam. I sort of think fundamentally, I don't know how strongly they really wanted to do all this stuff. I know there's late conversions. The other p- problem with, um, you know, getting them getting very hot under the collar about leaky and inappropriate behaviour and so on is that, you know, we're hmm. quite, you know, are, we're not. Our memories aren't that bad. It's only a few months ago that you and and Labour did a lot of that stuff too. So I'm, I, I think it would be great if there's a fresh start. I think that the reality of power kicks in in exactly the same way that you know the opposition. Started start saying all the kind of things you'd only wish they'd hung to when they were actually in government and in power all but the things they now think are fantastically the greatest,
2: important the greatest driver of kind of commons activity is the sense that it it, it, it matters in numbers and, and mm-hmm. in majorities not being so strong and the coalition puts pressure on the house of commons and so the focus we back much more on the commons and behavior in the chamber
3: Jack, than it's been before and that's Jack good Stroud for parliament told backbench newcomers this week private meeting of the plp uh uh the Commons is more important than select committees. That's not a fashionable thing to say. Mm. Trip them up, you're in there. Hold them to account, give them a hard time. That's what you should do. And he's one, he's one of the ministers. Very old fashioned, of
2: course, and Jack. He, he in many ways, he loved the House of Commons, and he's he's been one of the people who really really did respect the chamber and, and believe in it.
1: Well, I'm sure you all looked at Sunday Telegraph as I did and thought, would Alastair Campbell have done something like that? <laughs> Probably he would. Uh, but that's it for this week. We're ne- back next Thursday, and so special thanks to my guests Julian Glover, Georgina Henry, and Michael White. The producer was Phil Maynard, and I'm Tom. Clark back with Allegra next time. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.